War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. My name is Kyle Loomis, and we're here to discuss another men's basketball loss. Yes, we're back on the losing ways. Folks, the Auburn Tigers fall to the Ole Miss Rebels, Land Sharks, Admiral Akbars, whichever you want to categorize them as, by the score of 55 to 60. Surprisingly, in Auburn Arena, the Tigers fall to the Rebels. Their record is now at 16 and 8 on the year and back under 500, 5 and 6 on the year in the SEC Conference. We're going to talk about all the sad things to discuss here, news, events. To do that, I brought in my friend, co-host, and the owner-operator of the Auburn Uniform Database, Mr. Clint Richardson. Clint, come on into my office, sir. Have a seat on the couch, and let's talk about what's going wrong in your life. That's going to take a long time. How much time you got? Uh, We've got probably about 30 minutes here, so whatever it is, you need to get it out right now. <laughs> I need to buy a couple more sessions then. Well, uh, you know, I, I can for a certain price. I can only talk about crap so much for so long. <laughs> <laughs> Look, here, let me give everybody a little bit of background for me. Uh, not to go into too many details, Clint's aware of some of those. I basically had just had some, you know, not a fun 24 hours up until that game and was not feeling well. And to watch that while you're not feeling well was just. It was awful. I mean, we're just saying the exact same thing that everybody's been going off about on Twitter. Um, I feel like we've said it before, but here I am saying it again. This was quite possibly the worst Auburn loss that I've experienced in quite some time. This was the worst effort that we've seen, period, under Coach Pearl, I think. Now, I will take a little bit of exception with that, Clint. I don't know that it was the best. Are you talking about in terms of trying or just some other form of effort? Because I saw players trying. It just wasn't working out. I saw fight, but I didn't see great ball movement. I didn't see great shot selection, rebounding, moving without the ball. The the individual parts that make up a good Auburn basketball team and game were probably at their lowest since Bruce Pearl came. But, hey, they still fought. <laughs> and everybody knows that I like a good fight out of the team. But, you know, it was... <sighs> Coach Pearl has struggled very much recently in in-game adjustments and in-game coaching. I think he's really good at preparing a team, really good at hyping a team, but I think he gets out-coached many games during the game. Like, <clears throat> you know, Halvern was down... 3 nothing at the first media timeout. Auburn scored 24 first-half points. There's a ton of room for adjustments, and Auburn didn't make as many or the right ones or whatever. Just, you know, everybody says, let's get to halftime and make adjustments. You make adjustments during the game. You make adjustments during TV timeouts, you know, during injury timeouts, whatever. Football, basketball, baseball, whatever it is. You make adjustments as the game goes on. And I think we've not seen Bruce Pearl do that as much as he's been able to do in the past. Let me play devil's advocate here. And I don't want to make excuses in any way because, I mean, they played just terrible. That's just to be honest here. But how much of that do you just attribute to bad luck? Because, yes, I think as the game went on, they got worse and worse and worse because of the just struggles they were going through in that game. But I just... I saw so many times the ball just roll off the end of the basket when it would normally roll in, just a bounce go wrong, a call go wrong for Auburn. You know, I I felt like 
again, we see we have this conversation going again where just Auburn just cannot seem to put things together and have the the ball bounce the right way for them. How much of that do you attribute to this game, or do you even give that any move, any room for well, that discussion? Well, the, the luck that Auburn gathered last year is gone. And, you know, Ken Palm rankings actually has a luck stat. I don't know how you mathematically rank and judge luck, but for what it says... Auburn is ranked 337th nationally in luck. Um, Jerry Heinen on Twitter tweeted this morning, Auburn's average margin of defeat in the six conference losses is 6.3 points. The average margin of victory in the five wins is 20.6. And then the luck stat. That, I mean, to me, a six-point loss is, that's, that's luck. For you know most of the part, that's luck. But you know, I kind of go back to what we discussed last week with the officiating. You shouldn't put yourself in that position. No, yeah. And you know, it does. Last year was the the fluke, for lack of a better term, right now. And nobody expected Auburn to do anything. This year, Auburn had a target on their back. People knew the name of Auburn: Jared Harper, Bruce Pearl, Anthony McElroy, this whole team. And so you're getting everybody's best shot. Your luck is going to run out at some time, as Auburn fans have learned over the last nine years or so. And, you know, it's just not going Auburn's way. And it seems like when it rains, it pours for Auburn basketball right now. Well, I think you're getting to something I want to talk about in a second here. Um, But I guess I do want to ask you this question because there is a lot of angst a lot of frustrations right now about this program and and from the players and coaches as well i'm sure do you think this is the lowest part of this season that auburn can experience i i'd hate to you know knock on wood here and say it could get worse but i i get the feeling that this is probably the worst they could possibly play especially at home well i would agree with you but then i know that we go to nashville to face vanderbilt this weekend and weird things happen in that arena but you know why? Because it's a stupid arena. Okay, I'm sorry. That's for the end of the end of the show. Oh, I'm not going to get started I'm gonna, yet. I'm going to fight you on that one all day. <laughs> but <clears throat> I don't know. I we don't know what this Auburn team is capable of in both extremes. We've not seen Auburn play a, their best game, and I don't think we've seen them play their worst game. Or that we scares me. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't have said it that way. We don't know what this team is capable of on the top end and the bottom end. I mean, you know, when Auburn played really well that first half at LSU, the first thing that popped in my head was, I remember when Auburn scored six first half points against LSU at home. Mm. That was, that's the worst performance you will ever see out of the basketball team. I, gosh, that still puts me so bad. I think I blocked that out of my memory. Well, you're not anymore. Um, but still, 24 points is not a whole lot better. And granted, this was, you know, a tempo game. Ole Miss is much slower and low tempo as opposed to Auburn's fast and high tempo. And they really controlled that throughout the game. And they, you know, if they averaged 65, them hitting 60 is not a problem. They're keeping Auburn out of their 80-point average range. Yeah, and I think <laughs> David, Kermit Davis here had a brilliant game plan. The attack with which they put on the backcourt for Auburn was so intense they just never got settled. 
and then you see what happens. 55 points for Auburn. I mean, that was just brilliant coaching by Kermit Davis. I, I commend him. I commend the um, athletes there on Ole Miss's team for executing that because to come into Auburn Arena, which only one other team has done this season, and knock off the Tigers, not just beat the Tigers, but hold them to 55 points, that's an impressive I mean, as bad as it was for Auburn, I feel like this is one of those wins that they can put on their resume, even though we don't look good right now, and say we went into a place that's hard to win, and not just one, but we made that team that is dominant there just look pitiful. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, this <clears throat> we've talked about good name wins in the past with Auburn and beating UConn and Oklahoma. I think, honestly, after last year, you still had to put this Auburn team kind of in that category. We know that Auburn is a talented squad. We know that Auburn Arena and the Jungle are really hard to defeat. And that, I think, alone kind of, you know, trumps the fact that Auburn doesn't have a ranking right now or the record. It's It doesn't matter what the record is when you play in that atmosphere and you are able to shut up a not great crowd, but that crowd was still able to get loud. The commentators, I think, were wrongly promoting this, but they kept saying they couldn't hear the whistle. I mean, I sat in that arena for five years. I could hear the whistle every single game. And um, But still, I think, yeah, you have to you have to walk out of that arena with your head held high, your chest puffed out, and a really good win on your resume after doing what they did to Auburn. So let's look a little bit deeper into the loss a little here. Uh, I think the obvious thing to talk about is the lack of production, at least that we're used to, from Bryce Brown and Jared Harper. Bryce Brown has eight points. Jared Harper has ten. I told you pre-show, I honestly am surprised they had that much. What exactly did Ole Miss do to these guys to make them play so poorly? Well, you mentioned that you thought Ole Miss came in with the best, with such a good game plan, but I think they had a pretty decent game plan, and then it just combined with a really bad game for both of those two guys is what culminated in this this result. Jared just wasn't himself. You saw him get kind of beat up, um, <clears throat> came off limping, and uh, got ran over in a no-call charge, landed on his hip, diving for the ball late in the game. I think he's just bruised. He plays 35 minutes every single game, and I think that's starting to take a toll. Um, <clears throat> I think Bryce, you know he's not going to shoot the ball inside the arc, so why guard him inside the arc? You guard him on that line, and you're going to change the way he plays and in turn change the way this team plays. So let's look at this here, too. Even though they had what we would consider probably their worst games of the season, at least in together, um, look at this here. They struggled to score points. Field percentage is pretty bad. They both got what Bryce Brown had two for 12 from the field. Harper was one for eight from the field. But both of them make every one of their free throws. Jared Harper gets five rebounds. They both only have two personal fouls. So I think it goes back to what you said. The fight was there. The not give up was there because they're doing some of the smaller things that they're supposed to do, free throws, some of the things they're not expected to do, like rebound and playing smarter defense. But it just wasn't clicking on all cylinders. And I'd hate to say it, but I think this is the storyline for this year. As Bryce Brown and Jared Harper go, so goes Auburn. Absolutely. And, you know, without Chuma Okiki, this game is a blowout. Chuma thankfully, was able to just 
dominate like we've been wanting him to do all season long. 23 points, 8 for 11 on the field, 5 assists from the charity stripe, and 11 rebounds. Only two personal fouls, didn't do, didn't commit the stupid penalties like he's been doing, and just flat out dominated. I mean, this is what you want to see out of number five. How about that dunk he threw down to just driving through the lane and posterizing somebody? <laughs> I mean, I got up out of my seat when I was, and I wasn't feeling good. I mean, um, I'm surprised you could get out of your seat. It was an amazing performance by Chuma Okiki, and it's what we've been waiting for and calling for. And it just is so, it's just bad luck that it happens when his supporting cast is having the worst night of their life. Because even if just one of them has a decent game, this is a win for Auburn, I feel like. They were playing decent defense, not great. Their rotation was a little <laughs> off at times, especially when defending the three. But, oh, you know, it, it just – it was it was just wasted, <clears throat> I feel. Not for Chuma. This was great for him. But I just felt like that effort, that production we've been waiting for from him was just wasted on him. Yeah, you know, and I kind of feel like that in a broader sense with – individual players at different sports you know and I, i've mentioned it many times before and i feel like all in basketball has often been one year off what if you know <clears throat> you had tay waller and then he left and then kenny gabriel and he had a great season and then he left and then frankie sullivan and he left and then chris Denson and he left and it's like and then kt harrell i was about to say don't forget him <laughs> it's like if <clears throat> i i just can't imagine what auburn's basketball program would be like if those group of guys you know these these individual stars every other year played together and played like they did together and you know i wanted to go back to Ole Miss's three-pointers i mean auburn played fantastic defense for you know five or six different possessions and Ole Miss just froze up a prayer of a three-pointer and banks it in i mean that is so incredibly dejecting. And, I mean, at that point, what else could Auburn have done? Well, and here's the thing, too, is you and I just had the discussion. Do we just put a little bit of this in bad luck category? And the more you and I talk about this, I feel like you're starting to lean more that way because there, that makes no sense. Great rotation, great defense, and multiple times they just throw a three-pointer up at the buzzer. Yeah, they might have had a good look on one or two of them, but they were just quick shots trying to beat the buzzer. That doesn't happen that often. It it was so frustrating to watch. I can't even imagine what they were feeling on the court. I mean, I, I don't know. It's got to be just dejecting and nearly humiliating to just put, you know, you always, coaches always say rest on offense, don't ever take a second off on defense. And I thought Auburn did that really well at times against Ole Miss. And the best possessions that they had they still come away with three points and like the best result of a possession that Auburn had was a a, a shot clock violation because Ole Miss had no idea what the shot clock was and it was a shorter uh, clock for the possession but <clears throat> Ole Miss had multiple incidents where they completely lost track of time looked up at the last second realized what was happening and and they got rewarded for it. And that's really tough for Auburn to just keep fighting when it's not going to result in positive things for the Tigers. We talk about you know good things 
happening, but at the same time, something worse happening for Auburn here. We've talked about Chuma's great game tonight and no support from himself. You know, we saw Anthony McLemore starting to kind of rise his game up a little bit as he's been more comfortable on that formerly injured leg. He only just comes out there and, and gets 15 minutes of play, no points, five rebounds, four personal fouls. He's kind of reverted back again, and I hate to see that because we've seen how dominant – Anthony Macklemore can be. We've seen him play better this year. This we cannot get everyone either healthy or playing on the same page the same way. It, it, the moment that we get all of these pieces in line together, look out, college basketball. This team will destroy you. They have that capability. They just can't get the pieces together right now. Man, let's let's finish that puzzle this weekend, please. <laughs> I would rather. Th- Here's this. I would rather them lose this game as humiliating as that would be and put the pieces together in the SEC tournament and beyond. And that's kind of what I'm putting my optimism <laughs> towards that. Hey, we saw this self-destruction last year in the tournament. Maybe we're just getting it out of the way now. That's what I keep telling myself. <laughs> I, I don't think that's the right viewpoint on this season, buddy, but, but no, I don't, I don't get it. You know, Dan Jell Purifoy is not the same player he was two years ago. Um, nor should he Anthony, be. I don't know. I, I, I really, that's a really odd case study in Daniel Purifoy. Um, Anthony McAmore is nowhere near where he was last year. And I still don't know if it's physical, mental, or just tape. There's no, there's actual tape on the kid that coaches can play in around. Um, Austin Wiley still coming off of, you know, another injury is not what he was at times this year or even what he was two years ago. And, you know, I think you're missing there, – there are so many missing links right now, whether it be in an individual player or the team in a whole, that it's just continued to add up. I know a lot of people keep saying I miss Mustafa Heron. And when I post today in Auburn history on Twitter every day, people are still clamoring for – the days of yesterday, literally, like, please bring Mustafa back. <clears throat> I honestly, I don't know if that would even fix this. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the issue is. I don't know if it's, you know, you've only got Jared and Bryce as your leading scorers. Will who, you know, is Mustafa even going to be that third if he's here? Is, you know, if Dangel was playing like he was two years ago, is he? that missing link is Chuma. If he takes over that missing link, which I think this game kind of proves that he's not, but you know, I think you just got to fix the missing link in each of these players and the whole of the team would be head over shoulders better than anybody else in this conference. I want to go back to some arguments that I've had with several people over this past football season. I know we're a basketball show, but we're going to use this to kind of make some sense of all this. And I can, I think it speaks to the mentality of the Auburn fan base right now with this basketball team. And let's not forget, we're feeling a little scorned after football season too. So I think some of this is kind of spilled over into these struggles here. You have to take a step back from the emotions. Mustafa Heron being gone is not the reason for this struggle. I'm sorry. I'll say it right here, right now, loud and proud. I loved Mustafa Heron when he was here. This team is better without him. I know it doesn't seem like it. I know that sounds stupid, folks. Mustafa Heron leaving the team was for the better. For him, especially, he seen, I haven't followed him much, but it looks like he had gotten off to a great start at St. John's. So I'm very happy about that. Hope we don't run into him in 
postseason play if we make that. Um, but here's the thing. You simply have a team that has not been able to settle into one's type of play this entire season, whether it's Austin Wiley not being there to start and they're off to a great start. He's back in. They finally adjust to having him in there. Then he's gone again, and now he's back. When you have an integral piece like Austin Wiley, it changes the way you play defense and offense. I'm sorry, it is. Because Auburn's a completely different team without him. And it shouldn't be that way, but it is. So without that missing piece being in there for consistency, it wrecks havoc with the team. The analogy is to the offensive line in football. When you have an offensive line that was not coached well the season before by a former offensive line coach, you pay the price the next season. And you saw that this year. It's as simple as that. If you fix that issue for the football, it would have been proper coaching the year before. For this year, it would have been Austin Wiley having a consistent year in terms of health. This is a completely different season. That, in I, my view, I, I would agree with you in part. But the other part of me thinks, you know, if you play one style, one, you know, you play one way for much of the year, there's a lot of tape on you, and there are a lot of really smart coaches that know or that can figure out ways to beat it. And you're going to have to mix it up yourself. And I know Auburn last year was really good about doing what they do well and doing it better than you do what you do. And this year, it's not that case. I think you, know, I think you have to perfect your plan A, no doubt, but you also have to be pretty good at your plan B. And Auburn's plan B and C and D and and E at this point are not very good. And I think you are right that consistency is an issue with this lineup, no doubt. But you know, you should still be able to fight and compete better than what we've seen in a couple of these losses than Auburn has so far. And maybe that just goes back to that LUT stat or, you know, just Auburn's kind of crashing down again, you know, like like after the 2013 football season and after whatever you know Auburn seems to have such a rubber band effect on the highs and the lows they come as quickly as they go whether it's baseball softball football or basketball and honestly I don't know if that's just a curse of Auburn University or or what but it's 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 no secret that for Ever since Auburn was founded, Auburn has always had an uphill fight in university funding, in athletics, in recruiting, whatever it was. Auburn has, whenever Auburn is on top of everybody, especially the neighbors on the other side of the state, it doesn't last long. And if you can figure that out, I know a lot of people that will pay you a lot of money to put that into practice. And I know this is getting a little bit beyond just basketball talk here, but I, I think you bring up some great points there. And for me as the eternal optimist here, guys, I know this sounds crazy, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I know it's frustrating, but the struggles that Auburn goes through, whether it be in athletics, academics, funding, whatever, the uphill climb as you just so described, to me that's what makes Auburn Auburn because when we get there, whether it lasts a day, a year, 10 years, that top of the mountain is so much sweeter for the Auburn man or woman when they get there because of the fight that they had to go through. You look across the state, they can't get 
the amount of excellence that they're having, whether it's legit or not, I'm looking at you, you know, sisters of the poor of North Point up there. <laughs> it, you should have these stands filled for that type of run that you're having in football. Look how lackadaisical they are. They don't care half the time. I wouldn't trade this for anything in the world, to be honest with you. And I'm, I know I'm getting a little melodramatic here and a little bit too deep for a basketball podcast. But that's what it means to be an Auburn Tiger, to be the struggle. And to get to the mountaintop is so much sweeter, even if it means you fall pretty hard pretty fast at the end of it all. But, man. Well, and, and I think it goes beyond that. You know, we're as, – as an Auburn business graduate, we were always told – Auburn graduates are the best graduates. Auburn grads, as soon as they walk out of this door with their degree, they have a job in hand. And I can tell you firsthand experience, that is not true. And it was, it's still a struggle for me to, I mean, to even get back to Auburn at this point. Um, But, you know, we're, I think Auburn in certain areas is really, really good. Top five of whatever it is. We know Auburn's got a really good business school and, an engineering school and you know, go down and eh, eh, that's your world. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Auburn is really good at things, but then there are things that Auburn just typically isn't known for. And like, I mean, you go back 15 years ago, Auburn was dominant in swimming and diving. Auburn hasn't been good the last five years. Auburn dominates equestrian, but nobody cares about equestrian. I care. And, Clint. <laughs> War you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Sorry, sorry, equestrian. Team. <clears throat> but it's, you know, the the Auburn spirit is fighting against all the odds, and the Auburn spirit is supporting those who are doing such a thing. And <clears throat> I was I was very disappointed in the crowd against Ole Miss. It's you know it's a seven thirty tip off on a Wednesday night. I mean, you're still watching Jared Harper, Bryce Brown, Chumo Kiki, Anthony Hackamore. Horace Spencer deserves everybody's butt in those chairs, no doubt. And, you, I mean, I saw pregame photos, and it made me think back to my first couple of seasons as a student. And I remember being there for two or three senior days when the non-student section seats maybe had 200 people in it and it's heartbreaking and it's dejecting to send off seniors with a loss, which is one of the least favorite things in the world for me and for them to do it in front of nobody, you know, you show up and you support this team, especially if you're going to claim to be a fan of the team and when they're doing well, this inspirational moment brought to you by war Eagle moments. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I know we we dove a lot deeper into some things beyond athletics there, but I think we the point Clint and I are trying to get to here is an encouragement to you as the Auburn fan base. Yeah, it sucks right now. It does, but that mountaintop is ahead, and I promise you, we'll get we'll get back there. Just keep your head up. We'll get there, and we have an opportunity to do that. Bringing it back to basketball in this next game, however bleak it might look right now. Um, we are going to Nashville, to the place that shall not be named. I cannot stand this arena, dome, cor- I don't know what it is. It, it is the monstrosity of college basketball. 
We're going to Vanderbilt. Win this Saturday. Uh, game is at 12 p.m. Eastern time. A terrible time for a terrible home court experience or away court experience. The game will be on ESPNU. Vanderbilt comes in with a five and fifth, or excuse me, a nine and fifteen red, uh, record. It gave them a lot worse record than they have. Zero and eleven in the conference. Now, Clint, you look at that, you see the bad game that Auburn just had. You don't do much research beyond that. You're like, oh, this is great for Auburn. They need a good win against a terrible team. Tell me why you're a little bit worried. Well, right before we hit record, we kind of looked at some records. And uh, what was it that I told you? Uh, Ten straight losses. uh, Ten straight losses in Memorial Coliseum. And Auburn hasn't won in that arena since 2000. Thankfully... That was February 16th, 2000. This week's game is also on February 16th. So hopefully that's something good. And this Vanderbilt team is, to put it nicely, garbage. It, it's it's pretty bad. Um, I was asking the question of you before this. What happened? Because this is a Vanderbilt team that was making the tournament pretty consistently um, a couple years, well, a year ago. I don't think they made it last year, but. Did they? No. Do you, no, they didn't no. make it last year. But, you know, a year or two removed, they're at the bottom of the SEC. They, they basically swap places with, with Auburn. What happened to this Vanderbilt team? Well, I first of all, it was a coaching change. And I don't think the current coach is a really great coach. <laughs> and, I mean, everybody knows that it's really hard to do anything well athletically at Vanderbilt when you've got such high academic standards it's really difficult to bring in quality students and high quality athletes so you know you've got that across the board at all the Ivy League schools especially since they can't hand out athletic scholarships but you know you look at Northwestern they had that same issue and it's it's always going to be an uphill fight for those guys but you know just looking at the stats this year (laughs) just look at this Vanderbilt scores 72.9 a game but they also allow 73.2 per game to opponents that's I mean if you're averaging a loss that's not good well it should make Auburn fans feel a little bit more confident that their defense you know has not been the best Um, and even as bad as Auburn played in this past game you would you know think that it, it, it would be a little bit better at least Bryce Brown would hit a few more shots Jared Harper would have a few less turnovers in this game um, when I look at this Vanderbilt team though you know it's surprising that they have I wouldn't call them quality wins but they have wins that I think you you would kind of just make the sound hmm you know and not just be discussed <laughs> I mean that's literally what it is I mean they beat a Southern Cal team that's had a program of decency the last couple of you know in the past decade um, they, you know, had a, I guess you'd call a respectable loss to NC State, who was very good and has beat us. Uh, you're not sold on Middle Tennessee State, but they did beat Arizona State when they were ranked 18th in the country. Um, it's just like when they hit SEC play, they hit a wall and just couldn't get back up. Yeah, and, you know, you, you kind of list off some of those games. And, like, USC, granted it's such a good name in the world of college athletics, is not a good basketball win anymore. I mean, they're 13 and 12 this season. The Pac-12 is really bad. Um, Arizona State. Outside yeah, of Washington. Were, outside of Washington. I mean, the Pac-12 is a one-bid league right now. 
and I don't think they're going to get two. But Arizona State, kind of see them kind of in a similar boat as Auburn. You know, a lot of a lot of talent, hyped up really well, but they haven't done anything with it. But, man, like you were saying, as soon as they hit conference play, it's – I mean, you look at the schedule, and it's a string of red L's. And it's 11 straight conference games plus a loss to a really, really not good Oklahoma team. And you've got 12 straight games that Vanderbilt has been on the losing end. They haven't won – in 2019 at all. Their last victory was December 31st against UNC Asheville. <clears throat> I mean, they you play Tennessee well, which you expect them to do that when that's a, a rivalry, and they're the number one team in the country at the time, and still are, but they just haven't done anything. They played Arkansas to a three-point loss, played South Carolina to a four-point loss, held Kentucky to 56 points in their first meeting in Lexington, which that's that's impressive, but beyond that, this is this is a very lackluster Vanderbilt team and not the kind of Commodore team that we're accustomed to over the last decade or so. When I look at anticipation for this game and what type of performance we can expect from Vanderbilt, I think you need to look no further than what you've already mentioned. That two-game stretch right there, which I think is the dichotomy for their season. A number one Tennessee team comes into their house and they almost pull off the upset then you go to the next game and just get annihilated by an awful awful oklahoma team in the big 12 sec challenge on the road granted you gotta think that their performance falls somewhere in the middle of that as their probably best and worst performance just kind of looking at it at a first glance if that's the case i think this bodes well for auburn even on the road even as bad as they just played because their middle ground is not that good on paper so I think there's some room for optimism for Auburn fans. We'll just have to wait and see what happens in this next game. Before we get out of here, Clint, let's give them our contact information. They can find me on Twitter at TigerEye24. Where can they find you? You can follow me on Twitter at ClintAU24. And you can check out my website, the Auburn Uniform Database, at AuburnUniforms.com. And that's all we have for you on this edition of Inside the Jungle. But until we talk to you again, War Eagle. <laughs>